Volume Two, Chapter Fifteen of Emma by Jane Austen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Emma was not required by any subsequent discovery to retract her ill opinion of Mrs. Elton. Her observation had been pretty correct. Such as Mrs. Elton appeared to her on this second interview, such she appeared whenever they met again. Self-important, presuming, familiar, ignorant, and ill-bred. She had a little beauty and a little accomplishment, but so little judgment that she thought herself coming with superior knowledge of the world to enliven and improve a country neighborhood and conceived miss hawkins to have held a place in society as mrs elton's consequence only could surpass there was no reason to suppose mr elton thought at all differently from his wife he seemed not merely happy with her but proud he had the air of congratulating himself on having brought such a woman to highbury as not even miss woodhouse could equal and the greater part of her new acquaintance disposed to commend or not in the habit of judging following the lead of miss bates goodwill or taking it for granted that the bride must be as clever and as agreeable as she professed herself were very well satisfied so that mrs elton's praise passed from one mouth to another as it ought to do unimpeded by miss woodhouse who readily continued her first contribution and talked with a good grace of her being very pleasant and very elegantly dressed in one respect mrs elton grew even worse than she had appeared at first her feelings altered toward emma offended probably by a little encouragement which her proposals of intimacy met with she drew back in her turn and gradually became much more cold and distant and though the effect was agreeable the ill-will which produced it was necessarily increasing emma's dislike her manners too and mr elton's were unpleasant towards harriet they were sneering and negligent emma hoped it must rapidly work harriet's cure but the sensations which could prompt such behaviour sunk them both very much it was not to be doubted that poor harriet's attachment had been an offering to conjugal unreserve and her own share in the story under a colouring the least favourable to her and the most soothing to him had in all likelihood been given also she was of course the object of their joint dislike when they had nothing else to say it must always be easy to begin abusing miss woodhouse and the enmity which they dared not show in open disrespect to her found a broader vent in contemptuous treatment of harriet mrs elton took a great fancy to jane fairfax and from the first not merely when a state of warfare with one young lady might be supposed to recommend the other but from the very first and she was not satisfied with expressing a natural and reasonable admiration but without solicitation or plea or privilege she must be wanting to assist and befriend her before emma had forfeited her confidence and about the third time of their meeting she heard all miss elton's night errantry on the subject jane fairfax is absolutely charming miss woodhouse i quite rave about jane fairfax 
a sweet interesting creature so mild and ladylike and with such talents i assure you i think she has very extraordinary talents i do not scruple to say that she plays extremely well i know enough of music to speak decidedly on that point oh she is absolutely charming you will laugh at my warmth but upon my word i talk of nothing but jane fairfax and her situation is so calculated to affect one miss woodhouse we must exert ourselves and endeavour to do something for her we must bring her forward such talent as hers must not be suffered to remain unknown i dare say you have heard those charming lines of the poet full many a flower is born to blush unseen and waste its fragrance on the desert air we must not allow them to be verified in sweet jane fairfax i cannot think there is any danger of it was emma's calm answer and when you are better acquainted with miss fairfax's situation and understand what her home has been with colonel and mrs campbell i have no idea that you will suppose her talents can be unknown oh but dear miss woodhouse she is now in such retirement such obscurity so thrown away whatever advantages she may have enjoyed with the campbells are so palpably at an end and i think she feels it i am sure she does she is very timid and silent one can see that she feels the want of encouragement i like her the better for it i must confess it is a recommendation to me i am a great advocate for timidity and i am sure one does not often meet with it but in those who are at all inferior it is extremely prepossessing oh i assure you jane fairfax is a very delightful character and interests me more than i can express you appear to feel a great deal but i am not aware how you or any of miss fairfax's acquaintance here any of those who have known her longer than yourself can shew her any other attention than my dear miss woodhouse a vast deal may be done by those who dare to act you and i need not be afraid if we set the example many will follow it as far as they can though all have not our situations we have carriages to fetch and convey her home and we live in a style which could not make the addition of jane fairfax at any time the least inconvenient i should be extremely displeased if wright were to send us up such a dinner as could make me regret having asked more than jane fairfax to partake of it i have no idea of that sort of thing it is not likely that i should considering what i have been used to my greatest danger perhaps in housekeeping may be quite the other way in doing too much and being too careless of expense maple grove will probably be my model more than it ought to be for we do not at all affect to equal my brother mr suckling in income however my resolution is taken as to noticing jane fairfax i shall certainly have her very often at my house shall introduce her wherever i can shall have musical parties to draw out her talents and shall be constantly on the watch for an eligible situation my acquaintance is so very extensive that i have little doubt of hearing of something to suit her shortly i shall introduce her of course very particularly to my brother and sister when they come to us i am sure they will like her extremely and when she gets a little acquainted with them her fears will completely wear off for there is really nothing in the manners of either but what is highly conciliating i shall have her very often indeed while they are with me and i dare say we shall sometimes find a seat for her in the barouche landau on some of our exploring parties poor jane fairfax thought emma you have not deserved this you may have done wrong with regard to mr dixon but this is a punishment beyond what you can have merited 
the kindness and protection of Mrs. Elton. Jane Fairfax and Jane Fairfax, heavens, let me not suppose that she dares go about Emma Woodhousing me, but upon my honour there seems no limits to the licentiousness of that woman's tongue. Emma did not listen to such paradings again. To any so exclusively addressed to herself, so distinguishedly decorated with a dear Miss Woodhouse, the change on Mrs. Elton's side soon afterwards appeared, and she was left in peace, neither forced to be the very particular friend of Mrs. Elton, nor, under Mrs. Elton's guidance, the very active patroness of Jane Fairfax, and only sharing with others in a general way, in knowing what was felt, what was mediated, what was done. She looked on with some amusement. Miss Bates's gratitude for Mrs. Elton's attentions to Jane was in the first style of guileless simplicity and warmth. She was quite one of the worthies, the most amiable, affable, delightful women, just as accomplished and condescending as Mrs. Elton meant to be considered. Emma's only surprise was that Jane Fairfax should accept those attentions and tolerate Mrs. Elton, as she seemed to do. She heard of her walking with the Eltons, sitting with the Eltons, spending a day with the Eltons. This was astonishing. She could not believe it possible that the taste or the pride of Miss Fairfax could endure such society and friendship as the vicarage had to offer. "'She is a riddle, quite a riddle,' said she, "'to choose to remain here month after month under privations of every sort.' and now to choose the mortification of mrs elton's notice and the penury of her conversation rather than return to the superior companions who have always loved her with such real generous affection jane had come to highbury professedly for three months the campbells were gone to ireland for three months but now the campbells had promised their daughter to stay at least till midsummer and fresh invitations had arrived for her to join them there according to miss bates it all came from her Mrs. Dixon had written most pressingly. Would Jane but go? Means were to be found, servants sent, friends contrived. No travelling difficulty allowed to exist, but still she had declined it. She must have some motive, more powerful than appears, for refusing this invitation, was Emma's conclusion. She must be under some sort of penance, inflicted either by the Campbells or herself. There is great fear, great caution, great resolution somewhere. She is not to be with the Dixons. The decree is issued by somebody. But why must she consent to be with the Eltons? Here is quite a separate puzzle. Upon her speaking her wonder aloud on that part of the subject, before the few who knew her opinion of Mrs. Elton, Mrs. Weston ventured this apology for Jane. We cannot suppose that she has any great enjoyment at the vicarage, my dear Emma but it is better than being always at home her aunt is a good creature but as a constant companion must be very tiresome we must consider what miss fairfax quits before we condemn her taste for what she goes to you are right mrs weston said mr knightley warmly miss fairfax is as capable as any of us of forming a just opinion of mrs elton could she have chosen with whom to associate she would not have chosen her but with a reproachful smile at emma she receives attentions from mrs elton which nobody else pays her emma felt that mrs weston was giving her a momentary glance and she found herself struck by his warmth 
with a faint blush she presently replied such attentions as mrs elton's i should have imagined would rather disgust than gratify miss fairfax mrs elton's invitations i should have imagined anything but inviting i should not wonder said mrs weston if miss fairfax were to have been drawn on beyond her own inclination by her aunt's eagerness in accepting mrs elton's civilities for her poor miss bates may very likely have committed her niece and hurried her into a greater appearance of intimacy than her own good sense would have dictated in spite of the very natural wish of a little change both felt rather anxious to hear him speak again and after a few minutes silence he said another thing must be taken into consideration too mrs elton does not talk to miss fairfax as she speaks of her we all know the difference between the pronouns he or she and thou the plainest spoken amongst us we all feel the influence of a something beyond common civility in our personal intercourse with each other a something more early implanted we cannot give anybody the disagreeable hints that we may have been very full of the hour before we feel things differently and besides the operation of this as a general principle you may be sure that miss fairfax awes mrs elton by her superiority both of mind and manner and that face to face mrs elton treats her with all the respect which she has a claim to such a woman as jane fairfax probably never fell in mrs elton's way before and no degree of vanity can prevent her acknowledging her own comparative littleness in action if not in consciousness i know how highly you think of jane fairfax said emma little henry was in her thoughts and a mixture of alarm and delicacy made her irresolute what else to say yes he replied anybody may know how highly i think of her and yet said emma beginning hastily and with an arch look but soon stopping it was better however to know the worst at once she hurried on and yet perhaps you may hardly be aware yourself how highly it is the extent of your admiration may take you by surprise some day or other mr knightley was hard at work upon the lower buttons of his thick leather gaiters and either the exertion of getting them together or some other case brought the colour into his face and he answered oh are you there but you were miserably behindhand mr cole gave me a hint of it six weeks ago he stopped emma felt her foot pressed by mrs weston and did not herself know what to think in a moment he went on that will never be however i can assure you miss fairfax i dare say would not have me if i were to ask her and i am very sure i shall never ask her emma returned her friend's pressure with interest and was pleased enough to exclaim you are not vain mr knightley i will say that for you he seemed hardly to hear her he was thoughtful and in a manner which showed him not pleased soon afterwards said so you have been settling that i should marry jane fairfax no indeed i have not you have scolded me too much for matchmaking for me to presume to take such a liberty with you what i said just now meant nothing one says those sort of things of course without any idea of a serious meaning oh no upon my word i have not the smallest wish for your marrying jane fairfax or jane anybody you would not come in and sit with us in this comfortable way if you were married mr knightley was thoughtful again the result of his reverie was no emma i do not think the extent of my admiration for her will ever take me by surprise i never had a thought of her in that way i assure you and soon afterwards jane fairfax is a very charming young woman but not even jane fairfax is perfect she has a fault 
she has not the open temper which a man would wish for in a wife emma could not but rejoice to hear that she had a fault well said she and you soon silenced mr cole i suppose yes very soon he gave me a quiet hint i told him he was mistaken he asked my pardon and said no more cole does not want to be wiser or wittier than his neighbours in that respect how unlike dear mrs elton who wants to be wiser and wittier than all the world i wonder how she speaks of the coals what she calls them how can she find any appellation for them deep enough in familiar vulgarity she calls you knightly what can she do for mr cole and so i am not to be surprised that jane fairfax accepts her civilities and consents to be with her mrs weston your argument weighs most with me i can much more readily enter into the temptation of getting away from miss bates than i can believe in the triumph of miss fairfax's mind over mrs elton i have no faith in mrs elton's acknowledging herself the inferior in thought word or deed or in her being under any restraint beyond her own scanty rule of good breeding i cannot imagine that she will not be continually insulting her visitor with praise encouragement and offers of service that she will not be continually detailing her magnificent intentions from the procuring her a permanent situation to the including her in those delightful exploring parties which are to take place in the baroche landau jane fairfax has feeling said mr knightley i do not accuse her of want of feeling her sensibilities i suspect are strong and her temper excellent in its power of forbearance patience self-control but it wants openness she is reserved more reserved i think than she used to be and i love an open temper no till cole alluded to my supposed attachment it had never entered my head i saw jane fairfax and conversed with her with admiration and pleasure always but with no thought beyond well mrs weston said emma triumphantly when he left them what do you say now to mr knightley's marrying jane fairfax why really dear emma i say that he is so very much occupied by the idea of not being in love with her that i should not wonder if it were to end in his being so at last do not beat me End of volume two chapter fifteen of emma 